Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Into the North podcast. Yes, last episode was our first episode of the name TBD podcast, but that's our that was our zero with episode. That was our pilot. So this is our first official episode as Into the North. Uh, this week we're going to be covering um, the tier list uh, posted by Siggy, Shaper Savant, Do Hand Touch, and uh, the Giga Beast, um, and tier list in general. Uh, and we're also going to be covering the watch list posted by uh, Sheldon Mennery, the who's uh, on the uh, the rules committee for EDH. Uh, and he has some interesting interesting cards on there, so that's, that's going to be we've got a few points to discuss there. Uh, also, we've got some listener questions, which is excellent. So glad to hear the feedback from you guys. So those are going to be some of those are on topic, so those might be uh, interspersed uh, throughout the topics, but we'll also have a final closing topic on that. Uh, so I'm your host, one of your hosts, Noobzors, uh, joined by my co-hosts, Sick Robot. Hey, what's up, guys? And Spleenface. How's it going? Uh, this week, uh, Null is gone in Germany, so we'll, we're excited to have him back for next month. But yeah, we're wishing him well. Okay. Yeah, we'll so, hold, hold down the fort with three people. Um, okay, so let's move on to housekeeping, now that introduction is done. Uh, a few notes. We have a new podcast email. And that is going to be found at into the north podcast at gmail.com. So we prefer uh, for listener questions, we prefer Discord as a method of communication and sending in your questions. But, you know, some people have asked for the email. And if you prefer that method, go for it. Um, also, we have updated audio for our last episode, which when released was less than wonderful to, to be... <laughs> To be a bit, a bit coy about that, it's uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, Spleen, why don't you uh, why don't you give us some special shoutouts? Yeah, to, so uh, we uh, we heard you guys loud and clear about uh, the audio issues, uh, but even more importantly, uh, a just all around awesome person by the name of Calvin heard you, and uh, Calvin actually reached out to us and asked if he could uh, could help us out. And uh, so he went through and remixed the episode, and it sounds way better. Uh, he is an audio engineer and uh, follows Competitive Commander and also lives in Toronto. So a massive shout-out to him, and thanks all a ton round, for all All-around cool guy. Yeah. Yeah, just huge, huge thanks to Calvin. Really <laughs> doing huge favors. Yeah. Just awesome. Um, yeah, so some of you I know couldn't even make it through what we had posted. Uh, so hopefully, please go back and check that out. And if this episode's audio quality is anything to speak for, you can, you know, it'll, it'll be, it might, it might, this one might be a bit better, but it, the, the last one, the new audio is leagues ahead of where it was. Uh, and also, we have one more shout out, uh, Spleen. Uh, yes, yeah, so a user by the name of NS Lover uh, reached out to us with. A logo that he made for us so uh, you can see that both on our uh, podbean account and also on the discord um, and that's just super awesome you know we never expected people to support us this much uh, but they did and so thanks a ton to ns lover 
yeah, the community response, so, so warm and, and, and welcoming. Just thank you guys. This community is great. Um, okay, so let's move on to new developments. Uh, so myself, I've posted uh, quite the monstrous uh, Gitrog line on, on the subreddit. You can go check that out. It is a 60-step loop for a uh, to 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 loop to do gitrog dredge combo without the titan and this is assuming anafenza is in play so you're as you're dredging through your library your titan is going to get exiled uh so that leaves you with guy's blessing as a shuffler and oh boy what a doozy that line is it has so many twists and turns uh i know leptis and kibitzin were uh two very prominent gitrog pilots were also very uh very enthused about that line. It just, I don't, I don't know how I came up with it. Honestly, it was kind of just it, everything all clicked together. Lots of sh shoutouts to uh, uh, Biopower for coming up with the sorcery speed line. I used one of his tricks, which is the Entomb trick um, in this. But yeah, so much, so much new innovation for loops. I hope some of you guys, uh, any Gitrog players out there, feel inspired to reduce the uh, the lines and the necessary cards. By all means, that would be a huge help, especially for the people who don't want to have to get a Chains of Mephistopheles, Lion's Eye Diamond, uh, Mox Diamond to actually make this loop happen. So, yeah. Uh, also, uh, another thing for me is I'm kind of toying around with a double Titan build of Gitrog that takes advantage of Tainted Pact and uh, Plunge into Darkness. Uh, so it's using the double Titans for redundancy. Now, with the Anafenza line, with the, with the Titanless line, because it has so many cards, I can't really rely on that because if, you know, Necropotence, for instance, gets exiled, then I just can't even do that line anymore. So it's if that, if that line gets reduced, then I wouldn't have to do Double Titan, but in the meantime, Double Titan for redundancy. Uh, and we've got lots, the deck already has lots of uh, outlet cards. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, just so so much non-determinism in that deck right now. The 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 Anafenza line, there's some non-deterministic parts, but the actual core loop is deterministic. You can I, check it out. It is. <laughs> that's always that's always a good <laughs> well, thing. Uh, well, we will link that in the uh, in the podcast description if no, anybody wants to check it out. No slow play yeah. violations here. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the other another thing that's <laughs> yeah. another thing that's uh, been happening in the community is people have been posting just all kinds of super spicy uh, brews that uh, try and take advantage of bonus round, uh, particularly in the like Grixis or uh, Yidris color uh, storm decks, and uh, it's definitely a really cool card. It's an interesting card because the double red is very much a challenge uh to to work around um but the fact that it doubles every spell you cast for the rest of the turn uh just means you can go off with some crazy stuff like if you can even you know you cast your demonic tutor you get dark ritual and yogmoth's will and then you get to dark, double dark ritual yogmoth's will you know, bonus round again, double tutor, triple tutor. Um, so that's something people have been having a lot of fun with. And it's definitely, there are some really crazy lines. So Spleen, what you're saying 
is to support the double run and the casting costs, we should start playing Blood Moon in our Storm decks. Yeah, I think that actually makes a ton of sense. Um, yeah, it checks yeah. out. It checks particularly out. <laughs> the High Tide Blood Moon synergy. Uh, oh, yeah. Off the oh, chart. Of course. Fantastic. You can't so, that one. Yeah. No, no, see, see, we have this thing called Magical Hack, where you can hack High Tide on the stack to instead to make all of your... Mountains, mountains produce an additional blue. blue Crazy. We, yeah, there you we, go. We Momir Vig now, boys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, and uh, Sid, yeah, you wanted to mention something with... Uh, about Shaper's obsession with Anima? Oh, yeah. Just huge, huge pushes forward in the Anima community recently. Somehow, it's been on hold for about about two years now. You know, hasn't been a lot of progression, but just a huge surge in popularity recently. Um, I know, yeah, Shaper is the main push for it. He, I don't know how it happened, but he just latched on to the deck and started running with it. Um, I know Astral's hopped on the train too and playing it a bit in practice uh i think it's just uh that you know brews are coming back in force recently so what, people, what are the what are the main changes to the animal list do you know i i think i think he's working with uh just really pushing for new and improved lines on a lot of the stuff i think some of them are just uh using like kiri like the the ancestral statue that's uh, yeah, that's spirit, a classic. But oh, wait, it can, wait. it can sound something else too. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, like it's it's it costs a blue, but you can do weird, cool stuff with it apparently. And then he's also like doing stuff like weird harvest, which makes sense, you know, just no, jam packing like, the deck spell full seeker of, or... Oh yeah, just like yeah, jam packing okay. the deck full of tutors and live cards. Um, so I mean, I'm 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 always down for people revisiting old decks, old strategies that haven't been touched in a while. Just touching them up, seeing what they can do with it. So yeah, a pair, I mean, pair we'll, of fresh eyes often helps. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I, I mean, I I know Astral's been holding a pretty good win rate with the deck on practice, but that might just be Astral as a player. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we'll, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Okay, so I think that covers it for new developments. Uh, let's move on to topic number one, which is the tier list. Oh boy! Oh boy! This is what? a controversial what a, topic. <laughs> what a monster of a topic! Yeah, there's. I don't think we're going to be able to do this topic justice. This could be, you know, a multi-pot episode uh, just on this. But we don't want to go too in depth. I mean, we've already had some pre-discussion, and it was uh, it, was, it was a bit contentious. Did. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to try to tame it back, but you know, we might let that out a bit for for audience. For audience enjoyment, of course. <laughs> okay. For, for the sake of entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Spleen, why don't you why don't you give us a brief introduction about this tier list? Okay. So uh, this tier list, uh, as was mentioned before, was assembled by the Giga Beast, uh, Shaper, Two Hand Touch, and Siggy from the Lab Maniacs. Um, they've gone with uh, a slightly different division than maybe it was before. I think before it used to have tiers and. Uh, like numbered tiers and some of them had half tier intervals, uh, but they've divided it into uh, maximum power, uh, competitive, high power, mid power, and casual. Um, but what's sort of interesting is the approach that they took, uh, which maybe is a little bit different than before, is that they were trying to capture uh, expectations when you sit down at a table and you see this commander, 
and it's more of a resource for matching uh, power levels against each other than a resource for trying to figure out what the best deck to build is or or what to brew with. The the stated the stated purpose was that you should be able to look at the commanders without understanding the decks, and from this pod composition using this tier list, get an estimate of what level the people are playing at. Um, yeah. Also, just to to clarify, uh, do either of you know that this these uh, these guys recently gained control of this list, right? This wasn't originally their list. Uh, well, Giga Beast is the original okay. uh, creator of it, and he's been retaining it. I think a lot of people from the community have sort of reached out and helped uh, reshape it to a more accurate level and a at a better okay list. So then, Shaper yeah. Two and Siggy are recent uh curators they're, of the list they're now. consultants consultants the, okay yeah, list. okay um yeah so i let, let's let's start with a, a broad broad question are tier lists useful for cdh or otherwise do you guys have thoughts on this um uh you go go, yeah, go for it spleen oh. yeah, right. uh well just in case um, anyone doubted we were canadian yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the list in general, uh, for a community and format as small as CDH generally aren't going to be as useful as they would be in any other format. Uh, generally you want to base a tier list off of a significant amount of play data, uh, say paper tournaments, online tournaments, online results. Um, it makes it a lot easier and gives you a lot easier of a time to make a tier list more accurate. And we just really don't have the amount or density of data harvesting or just anything of that sort to make anything even close to accurate enough to be useful. Yeah, we, we've kind of got to rely, on, unlike the other lists for modern or legacy where they're actually getting match data and they're just using numbers to figure out these tiers and, and how they finish we're we're, even, we're kind of forced yeah. to rely on experienced players' intuition and using you know sort of whatever human algorithms we're applying to the data we get from the games we play or, or more magic theory, right? Like oh, in it's it's pretty clear to a player that you know mana drain is better than counterspell. So if you're looking at a deck that's just running counterspell, for instance, you know that should be a mana drain instead, or you know. Though these kinds of these kinds of filters applying to decks and card choices, um, commander choices, archetype choices, uh, and using that to construct these tier lists from experience. Well, yeah. I like I, the whole thing with yeah. I think the other it. the other thing about a tier list for competitive commander is that if you look at something like a modern tier list, you know it's probably not going to have more than 20, 30 decks. If you look at tier lists for you know, something like a fighting game, maybe that game has, you know, 50 characters is a lot. Uh, there are 785 playable commanders or something along those lines. That number's only going up, yeah. That number's only going up, and there's, you know, more decks that you could build than can be expressed with molecules in the (laughs) universe, so... yeah. And also, like, just in general, even if we're talking about, like, tier lists outside of competitive ADH, even then, I don't think a lot of people consider tier lists that valuable of a resource anyway, just because 
you're always going to get tier lists tainted by whoever's putting them together. And even if you put them together in like a week, you're only getting a representation of the meta within the past month or so, just because of how fast online formats move a lot of the time. Yeah, and, and unlike uh, two-player or 1v1 formats, I think Commander... I mean, it's, 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 I don't think it's fair to say that, uh, what I would about to say for just 1v1 formats. But I, th- I think Commander, uh, there's a lot more room for player skill to affect the win rate of a deck. A lot of the decks, some of the, some of the decks are kind of autopilot, like Godo. It's pretty, it's pretty autopilot deck. But, you know, there's, there's still decisions to be made there, when to go off, whatnot. But lots of the, uh, lots of the top tier decks are, you know, very skill intensive. And we can see that based off of, uh, the varied win rates. You know, you look at at uh, six, uh, <laughs> where he's placing on the uh, Concatrice ladder, and it is quite high above everyone else. And there's other pilots who are piloting the same deck and who aren't having the same finishes or results. So a lot of it does come down to player skill in terms of uh, people's perceptions of power levels of decks. Um, I, I would add though that there is. I guess theoretically a ceiling for these decks. You know, if if you did every play correctly, uh, you know, Shuffle Hulk is going to be there. There is a, a way you can order Shuffle Hulk compared to Alesha or uh, you know, Thracios, Timna, or no, not Thracios, uh, Yisan, Zer, Animar, whatever deck. There, there is a theoretical ceiling to these. At least I think so. Uh, but, I, but like again, even with the ceilings, like if you're just we're just talking about like goldfish in these decks in a vacuum. We're just like talking about their parallel in a vacuum at optimal play. Even then, if you look at like decks and how they perform in different pod compositions in specific metas over time, it's just there. There are too many variables and nowhere close to enough data to piece together anything like this. Like you can you can make these rough assumptions, but to put them into hard tiers as an actual competitive resource yeah no good luck okay i I think i think it's it's fair to say that there's there's no no one is going to be able to construct the the tier list i think there's a platonic ideal tier list i think that's that's kind of what i'm trying to say that there is a theoretical you know out there tier list that is ranking these based off their their ceilings but obviously we do not have nearly enough data and you know we're humans with Lots of lots of error. We don't have enough games, and and our whatever algorithms or rules we're using to create these are, are clearly you know subjective. And, so, and there yeah. there is also the question of even if we could let's say we can create a ideal platonic tier list that ranks every commander by its absolute power level or sorry absolute ceiling uh, power level, uh, is that necessarily what you want for? you know, learning about the game and deciding what to play. Like, because this was some of the source of controversy. Um, you know, there's a commander, but that commander is also at the head of a deck of 99 cards that frequently are very relevant to whether or not it wins. Um, so, you know, does every, let's say, Grixis legendary creature deserve to be in the competitive slot because you could build a competitive Grixis Doomsday list with no commander at all. You know, is that if we arrange the tier list that way, 
do we lose a lot of the useful information for sorting out which commanders are actually better than which other commanders? I think that kind of produces its... I think that list has its own separate merits. I, I think... Because I think the, the list as it is now is a subset of that other list, right? I think you that other list would contain the information necessary to derive this list or this style of list. Just a pure ordered list of commanders like this uh, would be a derivative of ranking decks based off color combinations and archetypes and strategies. So five color Flash Hulk, you know, if Corona is at the helm or a Togatog, whatever, you know, it might not be the best because there's, you know, Najila or Tazri that you can do some layered stuff there where they're just better commanders generally than Corona, which can screw you. Um, I think those decks are still that the archetype and that strategy is still competitive because I think it could maintain a certain win rate in competitive pods. Yeah. And like the whole thing is like when we're talking about these tier lists, it's it becomes very hard to determine whether you're ranking generals, commanders, or whether you're ranking the decks that they're heading, right? So, like, because there's a lot of overlap there, too. Like, there are a lot of commanders that helm the same deck, and there are a lot of decks that have multiple commanders that do uh, different things, but it's still at the core of the same deck, right? Yeah, there's lots of, some commanders have many different strategies. Thrasios, Timna, obviously, there's so many different ways you can build that deck. Um, but it's it's definitely interesting, too, in that it's not, so five-color Flash Hulk is an is a interesting example because, you know, it can be helmed by every color, every five-color deck. Um, and then there's different strategies, like, uh, so the Thras, the uh, Tassiger Tainted Scepter list that was in the show notes of our last episode is follows a very similar strategy to uh, PST or Paradox Scepter Thrasios. And, you know, those are very similar strategies. Would you just say that Tasker is not competitive because PST does it better? I don't know if that's right to say. You might want to say that uh, you might want to do it based off color combinations. There's there's so many different ways you can rank that because if you're just doing on based off the pure strategy, then I guess Tasker and, and, and PST are in like the same category. But, you know, color combination then you've got a whole bunch of different axes you can you can uh, compare these on and then but maybe then right maybe maybe we say hey maybe tassiger style like maybe pst style tassiger is strictly worse than pst style like actual thrasio stuff but maybe there's this other build of tassiger that like you can't really do with the uh, partners and even though it, like it might be a bit worse it's still like this whole unique different thing and you have to rank that differently too. yeah that's where just, i think gets really complicated right yeah, if you're saying that tasker hard control um is maybe not as good as tasker tainted scepter just for whatever reason if there's a let's say we're just going to assume that tasker tainted scepter has a higher higher ceiling we're saying this worse but you know it's at its it's at the top of that category of deck that's it gets really really complicated then so so i think i think what we do here is instead of having tier lists we have tier nth dimensional matrices and you have (laughs) you have all these different you have all these different you have strategies you have each each power level ranking for each commander with each 
which each each speed ranking and each number of different types of decks in how, the pod. how it performs into different pod compositions. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's and then and then you also rank how good they are at different levels of player skill. So if <laughs> yeah, you have, yeah. if you have this deck, this deck is really good if you're a really good player. But here's the number of how good it is when you're also a worse player. But here's the deck that has a really low ceiling, so it has all these different rankings. Okay. Yeah. So you two get to work on that. I'll start the business selling hologram projectors so that people oh, can actually yeah, look yeah, at yeah. this. Yeah, oh, yeah, get it. yeah. See, no, we just we just need quantum computing. We'll be right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> AI to do this all for us for sure. So um, just auto organize all of these. Yeah, just get. We need. We need. We need the a good magic bot to just play all of these pods. Just but lightning speed yeah. get all the data. And and we're joking, but I do think there is some merit there. Where if you um if you think about doing tier lists like this as more of a matrix not not necessarily all this other stuff on top of it but if you if you just add in more than the commanders into a list like this you might be able to get a more accurate cross section right so like let's say you even just have uh instead of just commanders you have commanders and strategies yeah maybe maybe that gives you a lot better of an idea right where you can on one axis you have all these different strategies you have stacks you have like hard control you have like mid-range like control combo you have like aggro control uh like just all-in combo interactive combo all these like different deck archetypes and then on another axis you have all the commanders and then you can rank how good a commander is at piloting each of those I think right? I think that's that's a reasonable way to approach it. That's actually feasible, right? I think I, because because these tier lists are kind of geared towards newer players or players who might not be familiar with the shortcomings of tier lists. You, you run into some issues, right? Not all the new oh, yeah. players are going to understand that. Uh, oh, why is a Tog a Tog? You know, so bad compared to Najila? Can't you just build them the same? Or maybe Najila isn't the best example because Najila does its own stuff. But let's say. Um. Yeah, I guess uh, let's say uh, Tazri literally just Flash Hulk, right? Without food chain for whatever reason you want to build this. Um, why? Why is Tazri up here compared to something else? Right? You need to look at the actual strategies that are differentiating them. Uh, and I think that yeah. that could that could be beneficial to uh, newer players to understand that you know what? Yes, you can build a pretty good Ataga Tog deck. Because the 99 is what matters the most for giving you those win percentages. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I the think commander the, the gives you an thing, edge. Yeah. The big thing to take away from, or the, not necessarily to take away, but the big thing to go into like looking at this tier list um, with is that we're, I think the assumptions being made are that whenever you're looking at a commander in a specific tier, we're looking at the deck that's associated with that commander in that tier is the deck that's trying to take advantage of that commander as best as possible, right? And like we're like we're not we're not ranking Thrasios Timna random jank big green bombs with tooth and nail in tier one, right? Yeah. We're we're like we're ranking, hey, when we're looking at Child of Alara and High Power we're not looking at it as a Flash Hulk deck that's dedicated to doing all this stuff and like layering with Hermit Druid. We're looking at, at it as a deck that is trying to take advantage of Child of Alara as a card, right? Well, yeah. I, I wouldn't necessarily say that's exactly what this tier list is doing. 
Because I think this tier list has entered well, into yeah. a slightly tricky area where they've made some judgments about um, what it's almost like they're look they're looking at expectations. So it's sort of a a weighted average almost um, where you know if like maybe this deck isn't built the best way to take advantage of the commander. If you sit down at a table, it's probably what your opponent is actually running. Even if there is a deck that takes advantage of the commander better and, you know, is also more competitive, it might wind up in a slightly lower uh, area just because people don't run it for whatever reason. Maybe it's overshadowed by a competitive deck that does a similar thing or... Yeah, I can actually see that. That that makes a lot of sense, where if you... I, yeah, actually, I think the tier list as it stands makes a lot more sense if you look at it as like an average of what types of that deck you see played. I think, like I think how often. there's an issue though, because there's, if we, if, as a, the competitive decks, the competitive EDH community is very small compared to the overall EDH community, which is massive. So many people are playing this format. So, if we look on EDH rec, we look up Gitrog Monster, there's like 1,500 Gitrog decks. How many of these are competitive? Probably not a lot. So if you're looking at a weighted average, you if you if you see someone sit down with a Gitrog deck, odds are it's not a competitive Gitrog deck. Unless you know the player and, then, and you know they play competitive decks, the majority of Gitrog decks you see are probably not competitive. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily agree with I that. Think- like, I think a key thing here is that uh, if you look at Gitrog, Dakmore Salvage does appear in 80% of Gitrog decks. But are they equipped to, to take advantage of this, right? Are they built optimally for that? So maybe maybe we can pick a, a different commander. Um, let's say Yisan, right? Yeah. You know, the competitive Yisan decks are going, have the plans, options to go infinite with, uh, you know, Team Sabertooth combos, um, or they can just go into Crater Health, Okay. If you see a Yisan deck, Yisan is a very popular budget commander. Okay, you can build this deck for nothing. So if you're sitting down at a table, it could just be someone's you know Yisan filled with all the you know extra green commons I have. Like you, you, it's a again, it's a very popular deck, and the maximally tuned competitive builds aren't going to be the majority of what you see. So how would how would you how would you feel if Instead of just straight averages, the tier list, like, just, so I'm just, like, trying to look at, like, the underlying, like, what the pattern of this tier list looks like, right? And I think maybe if you look at it more like a gradient, where in the max power section to, like, competitive section, we're just looking at the peak, uh, like, the peak decks for those generals, right? You sure? And then... As as you move down the tier list towards more and more casual, we we start introducing the aspects of more. Okay, this is like an averaged out ranking of like a lot of people will play this. I think it's casually. fair. Like I think it's fair to say that you're not going to see a lot of Child of Alara Flashlight decks. Like and yes. the most Child of Alara decks you see are probably going to be you know high power to casual. But again, this is the problem: is that I don't. Do we really know that the peak? Of, of that average peak of Child of Valara is going to fall at high power compared to other stuff. Like, Child of Valara is a better commander to have in the command zone than uh, Corona, right? So maybe you're just going to say that, you know, the peak of Corona is people just playing meme decks. 
So it's going to just fall into casual. But, you but know. then again, this is this is where we get into the messiness of just like like just data in general, yeah. right? Like we can't say any of this definitively, right? We're we're just like also, also yeah, have some... yeah. You probably don't see a lot of child of Lara uh, like super competitive, and it might not be where it is like averaged. But then again, we don't actually know, right? We don't know what play groups look like. Yeah, across so, the world. So we've uh, we've kind of got really deep in this conversation without discussing placement of any commanders in this tier list. I don't think so. <laughs> we should just briefly, briefly. We'll just there's ten commanders in maximum power. Let's just list them off. So this is the the there's a competitive tier which is there's thirty five commanders and there's ten commanders in maximum power. So in maximum power we have Sisse, uh, Captain Sisse, General Tazri, Cast Dissident Mage, Najila the Blade Blossom, Teferi Temporal Archmage. Gitrog Monster, Thrasios Timna, uh, Yisan, and Zur the Enchanter. So, do you guys? L- 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 this might be a little uh, a loaded question. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys have any uh, any cards, any placements you disagree with here? Um, I, I think in in minor ways, yeah. But I I think again, like I I have disagreements with placements in this tier list, but I don't think it's necessarily what like it, this this tier list isn't for me right like i'm i'm not the target audience for who should be looking at this i think um, i think actually like, the best example of what i was trying to, i just it just came to me thinking about this right now the best example of you know a deck that you would see and not expect it to necessarily be competitive is probably sisse because sisse is a great planeswalker commander you know tutoring up legendary planeswalkers and i have seen my fair share of I guess it could be anywhere from mid to high power Sisse decks that are just, you know, Sisse tutoring bomb, like legendary bomb cards. And I think Sisse probably more than any of these is one where you're not going to expect to see. If you see a Sisse deck, it's really hard to just say, yeah, it's going to be competitive. Yeah. From from their philosophy of the tier list, I think Sisse uh, sticks out for me and so does Yisan. And from, if we were looking at it more of like a the ceiling, you know, which decks built the best are the most powerful. Uh, I don't necessarily agree that Yitzan uh, belongs there. I don't uh, agree to that. Teferi uh, has, I think, has suffered a lot in my mind with the advent of the Timna meta. I'll um, agree to that as well. And I have never actually been that impressed uh, by the Gitrog monster, but it clearly puts up results, so I must be wrong about that, and it has to just be because I first saw Gitrog piloted by Noobzors, so. That? <laughs> that was brutal. <laughs> okay. God. Uh, let's, uh, let's, you want to cut that, that out for a bit? I mean, might have to cut that from the episode. From let's just say I've improved as a player over time, and <laughs> <laughs> the deck has also improved over time. Okay, that's all I'm going to say about that. But yeah, so I'll, I'll also, I think Gitrog uh, does probably belong at maximum power. I don't think, I think it's a lower end compared to some of the other decks on here. I will also I d- say I d- that I don't think Sisse belongs. I think I, I think that's probably like the the biggest like the the largest continuous theme with Gitrog on tier list is that he always belongs in tier one point five whether it exists or not. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. if only he had if only like, Gitrog was blue. That's, he's the he's the most tier one point five deck in existence. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, um, yeah, so well, I I'm not sure I'm not sure whether. Um, 
they necessarily need to be changed around like that. Um, I like again, like I think the the point is is that it's not necessarily a resource for us, and I think that like when you look at when you look at this list, it's it's a hybrid of a few different ideas, but it's it's rough because you can't cut any of those ideas out of the tier list because they all need to be represented. I think and maybe it's trying to like, meld together a bit too much. But if I'm but being like honest. it's it's hard to it's hard to separate out the concepts of the tier list because as soon as you drop out some of them, there's going to be a whole section of the community that goes into uproar about it. Yeah. Where also, like, major the, the snub: Goto, like, Goto in 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 high power. Uh-uh. Like, uh-uh, guys, no. in high power. <laughs> the whole thing is like they're trying to, and I get, I get, I get how rough it is because they're trying to. You try to. You're trying to represent that there are decks with really, really high power ceilings on here. Yeah. But you're also trying to represent that there are decks that are like pub stompy and they don't necessarily have high power levels at their maximum. But if you see them at a casual table, they're probably going to do really well. And there are decks that can do really well in competitive, but aren't usually played at a competitive level. And it's just, there's a lot of things. I, I personally think. They did a good enough job. I, I'll, I'll agree to that. They oh, did, yeah. they, they did a better <laughs> job than most other tier lists have yeah. before. Obviously, and, and it's think, not perfect, but, you know, what can you I expect? Think, I think the, the, just the nice thing about having a tier list that's being monitored by people uh, really entrenched in the CDH format is that there's always going to be... it's. <laughs> It's it's the problem everywhere, right? Is that there's always going to be a source for it. There's always going to be a black market tier list out there, yeah. right? <laughs> there's it's always you're all there are always going to be tier lists available to new players, whether we want there to be or not. So Dude, we, we need might to start, as well start the war we on might, tier lists, we, man. We, we might as well be the people. <laughs> we might as well be the people to supply the tier list, even if it's even to if the it kids. goes against what we what we want about the format, and even if we don't think that they're necessarily accurate. I, I would like us to be in control of the of the highest landing tier list out there, just so we can give a more accurate representation. Dude, this is some. What? This is some you mean really Kalia and Rafik aren't tier one, the best <laughs> yeah. deck ever? Guys, guys, I have this Balthor the Stout list. Oh my god! But I went to F and M, and no tables. one can beat that guy's Kalia list. What do you mean it's not tier one? I've I've been I've sat down at many GP pods where everyone's like, oh, we're playing competitive. Okay, someone pulls out their Kalia deck. I'm like, okay, and I put away my Gitlock deck. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 good to have this kind of this kind of list to help mitigate against those or check against those kinds of situations. Um, I will want to make uh, so there's a couple questions that uh, some listeners have asked that I think kind of tie into this topic a bit, or there, there's some things we can bring up. So. Westbrew says, are there any decks that can compete against tier 1 or 2 CDH decks, but can also hold their own at Grindr 75% tables? Uh, so I just wanted to comment that, so we've got uh, Tana is listed at uh, competitive, so that that's 1, tier 1 is maximum power, tier 2 is competitive. Um, so Tana is listed at competitive, and you know, Blood Pod is obviously meant to attack competitive decks, for very specific, you know, competitive metas. But if you take that deck to a high power table, it is going to get its teeth kicked in because 
it has it takes advantage of very specific late game cards that uh, you know is are really good late game for competitive tables like Tender Shoot Dryad, right? Do I mean I, I mean Tender Shoot Dryad is also pretty good at, in high power, but it's not the kind of strategy that is going to hold its own as well at at these lower tiers. So you know there are decks again Blood Pod. I think uh, Anafenza is a good example of a deck that you know is trying to prey on uh, you know the high tier competitive decks. Uh, Razaketh Reanimator, uh, Get Rog Monster. Until I figured out that loop and uh, <laughs> and uh, Flash Hulk decks, right? But it is just people are gonna you're gonna play against a high power U Lash deck and it is gonna hurt. It is gonna hurt so bad. Um, yeah, so those those decks we typically categorize as parasitic, and I would think that you'd actually want to have a separate kind of parallel tier list for parasitic decks. But that's well, that's just my. Sort of it's opinion. how um it's how the anti-meta works in like any card game format, right? Where um it's it's all these decks where they're built to be really good against a specific set of decks. Yeah. Or a specific set of strategies. And once you take them out of that that area, that meta, they become a lot worse. Um and I think it's actually yeah, like that that can be an option for the people that wanna have a scalable deck. Uh, if you want to build like a, a specifically anti-meta deck that happens to be less proactive and more reactive, uh, it can actually scale down fairly well. I think I think it could scale down. So I think it scales down perhaps a bit too much. I think like uh, high-powered, optimized high-power decks are going to beat a lot of these uh, parasitic decks. Well, hang on a uh, second. I think you mean reactive decks as opposed to parasitic decks. Because sure, yeah. parasitic well, decks are well, typically decks that benefit well, a lot. Well, is having... a parasitic deck that's not necessarily yeah. reactive. Yeah. yeah well, no, re- I'd say it's I'd say it's reactive, but I'm I don't think uh, Tana Timna is a parasitic deck. It's preying it's... on unexpected thing as opposed to relying on another deck to sort of solve the problems that it mm, has. That's that's fair. I don't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's 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 the difference between an anti-meta deck and a parasitic deck. Where um, parasitic is sort of a term that's uh, very limited to the EDH format in general, just because of the composition of four-player pods. Where uh, when we talk about anti-meta decks, like a lot of stacks decks or reactive decks tend to be anti-meta um, in order because they, yeah. you know in order to play counter magic in the format and profitably, you have to play counter magic that's specifically targeted towards decks that you expect to see all yeah. that that whole topic. But um, there, there's a whole thing where um, parasitic generally tends to refer to the decks that depend on pod composition and other people to do work for them in order to get to a game state and typically in the later game where they can take advantage of the game. Yeah. Whereas if, when we're talking about anti-meta decks like Blood Pod or reactive decks, uh, re- reactive also including some stacks, even though it's technically proactive, uh, but because their game plans are reactive to the other decks at the table. Uh, stuff like Blood Pod, stuff like Baral, stuff like that, um, where they are specifically targeting... They're not necessarily wanting other people to do work for them, although it's nice sometimes. They're more targeting other decks at the table that they know are going to be on specific strategies. Yeah, I think... And to answer to answer uh, Westbrook's question, there's... Almost most of the decks in maximum power are going to do fairly well at high power. 
Uh, I think there's only a few exceptions, which we mentioned, that aren't going to carry over as well. But most most decks, if they're high tier, they're going to carry over well. Although there's some strategies that carry over uh, better than others because some, for instance, if you're on a cast deck that's running lots of pyroclasms, you know, that's that's definitely more tuned for the competitive meta than it is for high power meta. So you might want to be on a, a more all-in storm version of cast. That's probably going to perform better at high power. Uh, get rogs relatively unchanged. Um, but yeah, lots of decks that have you know minor tweaks. If they're if they're too uh, if they're, if they're tweaked for the competitive meta, you kind of untweak it and just put in more generally high power, uh, generically good cards. Then it's going to carry on well to high power and do really well. Yeah, just if you're if you're trying to make a scaling deck, I don't necessarily agree with the concept of sta- of a scaling deck. Um, but if you are trying to make a scaling deck, yeah, just try to stay away from the proactively winning decks. Anything that's trying to win before the rest of the table um, generally isn't going to scale down well. Just try to go for something that's yeah, like tries tries to play with the rest of the table, tries to interact with it. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, NS Lover also has a few questions that I think are pretty relevant or, or can be sort of tied into what we were just discussing. So uh, NS Lover asks, uh, what's your perspective on which commanders, color combinations, and strategies are on the edge of breaking into CDH? Uh, and then what could be printed to push them over the edge? So I think this kind of ties in a bit to what we were talking about with five color decks, you know, even with a crappy commander, have a, a certain floor pretty much, right? You can just build it as a five color flashlight deck and then it's going to be probably competitively viable. Um, so there are certain color combinations that it's their commanders that push them over the top. Uh, so for instance, uh, uh, Bant and Abzan, uh, it's Derevi and it's, um, I think, you know, Carador or uh, Anafenza. Like, I guess Carador is not being cast so much when you're playing like a Boomweaver Giant deck. And, but, but that's not really, I don't think Carador decks are really considered, or Boomweaver Giant are really considered competitive anymore. They used to be, but uh, like Anafenza trying to prey on, on graveyard-based decks that's it's the commander that really pushes it over top not necessarily the what's intrinsic to the colors itself uh so i think that you know you just get better a better combo uh so with derevi uh there's talk about a nexus of fate hermit druid combo so i think if you if you print some card that uh better enables like hermit druid combos or flash hulk combos in just pure bant then maybe that's that could push it over the top. Yeah, to I become mean, competitive for for, uh, for Derevi. Honestly, uh, the whole thing with Bant forever, right? For always and ever has always been that Bant can't win the game. Yeah, it's it's super hard for Bant to win the game. Derevi's a great commander. Derevi makes a lot of mana and can do a lot of stupid things with a lot of cards. Uh, but Derevi just has a really hard time, like actually winning the game. Um, so yeah, like I mean, definitely if if we ever see a time when say there's a one card combo on a creature for a Derevi that's ever printed, I could, yeah, I could see her If definitely... Sheldon decides to unban Time Vault, you know, Derevi's <laughs> yeah, probably going like to be... Yeah. <laughs> very competitive. Gonna... I mean, if we, if we have Time Vault in the format, there might be larger problems than Derevi, but she definitely does get better. Yeah, um, yeah. and then I think, I think, yeah, so obviously if you're printing something specific for Derevi, but if you're talking about just the base colors of Bant, I think you need a, like, a probably a better Flash Hulk card. Right? You need, you need well, a better rather... Flash Hulk pile. 
You either need that, or you need a commander that can win the game on its own, or a commander that's really good at winning the game with a lot of other cards. But I wouldn't say that. But that's just it's the commander that's kind of carrying those colors, right? It's not the colors themselves that are intrinsically increased in power level. if, If we're talking about colors in general, I don't think at this point in time there have been so many cards printed. Um, there, the decks would, or the colors at least, would need so much of an overhaul. I don't think that there are, there's a single card, or even like up to like five cards, even that would make specific color combinations better. I think in order to make color combinations like Absan, like Bant, um, actually break into the competitive sphere, you need something like a commander that's going to be accessible to you every game. Particularly yeah. with the existence of four color partners and some of them actually being good. You need a commander that's better than, you know, like if we're looking at Bant, you need a commander that's better than adding black to your deck and playing Timna. Like, it has to be better than yeah. both of those things, not just one or the other. Um, either either that, or it has to do something better than Timna. It has to it has to do something unique that's not what Thrasers and Timna do, right? So are there, are there any... Um... So I think that, that that covers you know color combinations. Do you think there's any commanders or strategies that are on the edge of breaking or on the verge of breaking to competitive? Um, I was I've been doing a some amount of uh, of theory crafting around trying to get like a true um like a hard lock deck. Usually, you know, maybe like a either knowledge pool or or uh, possibility storm and you know rule of law type effects um and it feels always like it's almost there but there's not really a commander that you'd want to run it that also has the colors you need um i think it would kind of need a lot and the things that it would need would also just translate into increasing the power level of currently existing strategies as well so that was the closest i could come up with um one other color combination that i just sort of wanted to touch on was actually naya um i think that that is also there if there's openings for a commander uh that could be printed that would make that competitive um it has the ability to find good win conditions because of you know green can tutor can creature can tutor creatures cheese uh which is how that deck is going to win or white you know can find your birthing pod um but none of the commanders are better than adding maybe, black to your deck and playing timna <laughs> yeah maybe so they need they need either a good commander that combos with something that already exists or maybe if uh, if they printed like a creature or something that just straight up one card combos with uh, Marith, then those could maybe bust in to the format. Yeah, I think I think Marith's probably the prime target there. Um, yeah. If you're looking at Naya in general, just uh, yeah, just like a single uh, a one creature combo with Marith would probably make him the other um, way better than he is right now. There's also I've I have been impressed with um, with Samut, Voice of Descent. It makes Yisun combos in particular really easy. Um, so that's still pretty mana intensive. That's it is. Intensive. It is mana intensive. Yeah. Um, but there, then, there is a there is a floor to how bad uh, multicolor Yisun can be, though, especially yeah, with true. with 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 white and red. Yeah, well, green white Yisun is a verse three win, right? 
Yes. You go wire uh, with symbiote into priest of Titania into mirror entity, and then boom, yeah. all the verses infinite power tokens. You can also with stuff like uh, well, with with white and red, even though it's a bit mana intensive, you can do stuff like go wire with symbiote, untap, get the two mana untapper, untap, get village bell ringer, untap. Oh yeah, get, work your way. Get Feldar, get Feldar Guardian, untap. Yeah. By bouncing the village bell ringer and then get Kiki, just win. Yeah. Like there, there, there are single verse tabs which like work. They work if you have big mana engines out. Um, yeah, Samu yeah. just has a lot of stuff printed on that card. eh? like <laughs> yeah, she, <laughs> it's one of those cards where every time you look at it, you realize that you forgot one of the effects on the yeah, cards. Like what? Samu does double strike and vigilance. <laughs> she has she has flash. Wait, what? Yeah. When did this happen? Wait, she has an untap effect. Oh right, yeah, she does. Yeah. My question is, she has flash and haste. Why? Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Actually, can I comment? This this could be a whole another thing i'm not going to go into it um but can i just say i love the design space of like mid mid expensive commanders like four or five mana but with flash i would mm, love to see more yeah. of those because it's yeah it's a really great way of making those mid cost commanders a lot more playable in cdh because they allow these turn cycles where instead of tapping out and having to just like wish that you're surviving turn three turn four tapped out you can hold up mana for the entire turn cycle and flash them in. Dude, yeah. what if what if Wrath Capuchin was was also was just Fidelkin Ori and he was green as well? <laughs> <laughs> like that's I think that's what you're kind of talking about, right? Like, yeah. But I'm that, just saying, like stuff like <laughs> if you can imagine, like just having stuff like imagine if, like Gitrog Monster. If imagine like had flash. If, like oh if like Momir Vague had flash, right? Like obviously those are like, oh really my God, good examples. So much. Those would be disgusting, <laughs> Actually, but like. But, like, just maybe something with, like, a bit lower of a power level, but still has, like, flash and maybe, like, another keyword-ish ability. I think that would be really great, and I think it would be a great way of having, like, a card that's, like, not necessarily, uh, ex- like, competitive or really good because you can just cast it turn two and off to the races. Yeah. But it's one that gives you access to these strategies where they're not bad because you have to tap out to a commander but you still have to eventually cast the commander that also that also just sort of made me uh think about if there was i didn't think about this in the colors because teamer already sees play but if there was a an efficient say like two creature combo that didn't require too much mana um in teamer i think that actually surak dragon claw has a lot of really attractive things as a commander like it, oh, yeah, I, it has that you know it's the mid-cost flash thing it can't be countered and creatures you control can't be countered uh just means that if you decide you want to force your combo through you're gonna force your combo through yeah yeah Man, yeah like but Sirac, there Sirac isn't the, the combo just a isn't long time quite there yeah we'd yeah. have to get something a lot more efficient than kiki yes that, i think yeah. two triple red gross yeah okay uh so and then the last question that i think could tie into this uh segment before we wrap it up also by ns lover um do you think four color partners would still be everywhere if tim and terasios were banned um and i think yes because the colors certain color combinations have a floor as we've already discussed I would say no, because as soon as you ban Thrasis Timna, all the five color decks take over. Okay, I think that's I think people or, uh, is there anything I that think I'll actually take beneficial. a middle I'll take a middle ground. 
I don't even think you need to ban Thrasios. I think if you ban Timna. No, um, Thrasios, Thrasios could see oh, yeah. play because you, you already, already see divergent, divergent decks. I think it would right? be a it would be a deck, but I don't think it would be a meta centralizing deck. Um, I think if you look at the the color combinations that Timna can be played in, basically four out of six of them see play purely because of Timna. Yeah, I think mm. what happens what happens when you ban Timna is you lose all all the Hulk decks immediately bail out. None of them want to be in that color combination anymore because they yeah. want five colors so they can have Gamble and they can have Pyroblast and they can have all this other stuff. Yeah, what yeah stays, actually, that's a good, what point. Stays, good point. What stays in that color combination is uh, PST and Infinite Mana style decks uh, yeah. just because they really want the Infinite Mana outlet. And Tim is a really good card, yeah, but it's not as valuable as Thrasios in those decks just to have the outlet in the command zone. Yeah, Thrasios, so think, Thrasios is just like better Tassiger, that kind of effect is like... Well, also, if if Timna was banned, would people play Thrasios Ravos PST, or would they play Thrasios Vile Smasher PST? Uh, I think you stay probably in... Because you want you want Angel's Grace for Angel's Grace, there's, there's, you want Anag, right? There'd be a lot more ambiguity, though. Um, you'd you'd see you'd see a lot more split in the player base, I think, between, yeah. including red and white. Um, I think... I th- think you'd probably still stay in white just because of Silence and Angel's Grace, but I'm not sure. Um, I mean, also, like, E-Tutor is, like, super valuable in that deck just because it can get Scepter. Um, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, Thras- Thras- Thrasmile might become the big thing. Who knows, man? Mm. Okay, so if if uh, if Thrasus and Timna were banned, is there any way you got, like, a... Is there any archetype that still survives in four color? Like divergent, divergent uh, transformations uh, control because you get partners, maybe. But yeah, it feels like I'd rather just run Najila. She makes tokens problem solved. So, so divergent either swaps to Najila or it swaps to Brea. Um, oh, true. Yeah, those are your two options. Okay, what about yeah, um, what about? Um, yeah, I think Brea and Nidris would would still see play. Those are the only four color. I mean, what about I, a Kaidel I mean, deck? People would jam Kaidel, but it wouldn't be a good deck. Like, it, like you. Pretty much anybody that's trying to play any amount of like fast-ish combo, adaptive combo in four color, you immediately swap to five color because there becomes yeah. no reason to not play Najila with super efficient win cons or yeah, Najila with, the... with layered food chain, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I think Najila is actually what kind of seals the deal. I don't know if without Najila being printed, if if going to Tazri and like I mean, if you're trying to maintain the same strategies. Uh, if Tazri is, is really where you want to be for but the thing is, is that strategies. Tazri also does just win with infinite mana and like yeah. two creatures in the deck. Uh, yeah, that's true. Like you get that so a- you, that ally that kills things and then Or, yeah, or you get the uh, the shapeshifter, right? Yeah, you, yeah. you get the shapeshifter so you can get infinite death triggers. Um, like you you just get like you get Tazri with Bomberman stuff. Like obviously uh, like here's the thing. If you ban if you ban Thrasios and Timna, PST stops existing because PST has to go to Tassiger, and like obviously the people who are playing PST right now don't want to play Tassiger because otherwise they'd still be playing Tassiger. I mean, if you, I mean, Tassiger Wait, PST is fine. Think... It's a fine deck. Like it's Tassiger. No, no, it's 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 good, but like the thing is, like yeah, yeah, don't, you don't we, don't, we don't see much Tassiger PST right well, PST, now. PST, yeah, I, well, I don't think PST yeah. goes up to five color, and then you use. I don't think I don't think you'd do the Tassiger thing. I don't know. I don't. I don't think you would. Like well, you, you know, because you, you're just doing yeah. food chain stuff better, right? Like if you, you're you're well, doing that's that's what I'm saying is that if yeah. like as soon as you ban both the good command or both the good partners anyway, uh, PST like well PST 
Thrasios in that whatever PS whatever stops existing really uh, in anything higher than three color just because there are no good outlets <laughs> at all. Because the whole thing with PST is that you can go off with infinite colorless. Yeah. Hmm. No, that, um, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Your other, your other, some, some of the strategies would downshift, and and most of them would upshift to five color. Yeah, because like if if there was no five color, we'd see. Yeah, we'd we'd see a bunch of other partner accommodations. But like, it just becomes there's so much cost to staying in bad partners that you're never going to cast compared to swapping to Nogila to have really efficient win cons plus whatever else you want to swap in. Which I think is. It's. I think this actually illustrates sort of a huge design problem with uh, with the four color partners, which is that, like at least from a CDH perspective, which is that people actually wound up using them because the cards themselves were really good, as opposed to because they needed access to colors. Um, I think that printing those cards such that they're actually better than most of the five color generals was a mistake. Oh yeah, uh, I've 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 always held this opinion that like you should have to pay something tangible to get more colors in your deck. Yeah. You should, by the time you get up to five color, you should not have a card in the command zone. It should just be a five color enabler. When you're at four color, you should have maybe one thing that sort of matters sometimes. Uh, you sh- you should have like a Timna and not an outlet, or an outlet and not a Timna. Yeah, or and like def- you definitely, know, Yidris, definitely I think not is a- very fair. Yeah, Brea. definitely not a colored mana outlet, right? Like it, it should you should need all your colors to combo with them. Like it should be your your commander as a standalone should get more powerful as you downshift, right? Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, let's wrap this topic yeah, let's, up. Let's move on from there. And and we'll we'll, we'll briefly cover our topic two. Uh, I don't think it should take too long, which is uh, the watch list for commander cards posted by uh, Sheldon Menry of the Rules Committee. Um, well, not, not not really a watch list, but we all know it's a watch list. Yeah, it's it's cards that he's like, eh, you probably shouldn't play with these. And some of them he's, he's you know, a bit pretty straightforward, I think, with Paradox Engine at least. Um, yeah. He's like, yeah, we're talking about it a lot. Yeah, so let, I'll just briefly run through all the cards that he mentions. He mentions Armageddon, Back to Basics, Grand Arbiter Augustine IV, Mindslaver, Palancron, Paradox Engine, Seedborn Muse, Soren Markov, Stasis, Static Orb, Thieves Auction, Winter Orb, Wound Reflection, and Derevi. Now, first of all, some of you might be thinking, hmm, one of these things kind of stands out above the rest. Why on earth is Wound Reflection on this list? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll be Good honest, question. I don't know. <laughs> well, I think, I think, I think sort of tying in with, um, Generally, how the ban list is run and the mindset behind that, I I think it makes sense in that it is a card that can slot into a lot of black decks and casual, and it's not necessarily fun to play with. But he uh, didn't mention he didn't mention like any of the what, the ones in red, right? Like was it Furnace yeah, of yeah, Wrath yeah. or or things like that? Dictate like, of the Twin Gods. Yeah. 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 Like, I don't know. This one sticks out. I I can kind of see where he's coming from with the other ones, but that Wound Reflection sticks out of something that I don't even understand why this would be a problem, given his his set of rules. I'm pretty sure Wound Reflection is the only permanent asymmetrical Uh, double life. Gisela? Is Gisela one? 
Yeah, she doubles damage dealt to your opponents and creatures they control, and, and halves damage, damage dealt yeah. to you and creatures you control. She, she is a creature, though. Is she is a creature, that the, is true. But she's in the command zone as well. That is also yes. true. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'd also just like to point out that I'm pretty sure Shelton wrote this lift, list after getting stomped by a Derevi Stacks deck. Because <laughs> oh, I, I would not be surprised. <laughs> right? Um, you got, he's like, Derevi's the only commander he mentioned, and then we've got but, Winter Orb, Static Orb, Stasis, like, all this stuff. It's like, okay. Then, yeah. then again, Derevi as, like, when you build Derevi that way and bring it to your casual table, that's not really a fun deck to no, play No, Derevi is, if you build, <laughs> yeah. if you bring Stasis and this stuff to a casual table, it is why? Why are you doing this? I get what you're coming from on a lot of these, right? People yeah. need to, it takes a certain level of discipline to play these cards correctly, um, you know, and not just be like, oh yeah, I'm going to jam Armageddon and then not do anything. Like, that's miserable. Absolutely yeah. miserable. Well, I think I think one thing that is kind of important to point out, though, is that some of the cards on this list seem to actually, uh, in particular the Derevi ones, seem to actually go against his sort of previous banning philosophy where he said, you know what? Cards like Hermit Druid or Ad Nauseam are fine because you really have to try to, you know, make them be super powerful. Like you build your deck yeah. with no basics. You're not doing that by accident. Um, yeah, well, no, ca- no, no casual player is going to just jam Hermit Druid into their, you know, but dinosaur I, I tribal deck that, and then have it be oppressive. You I need think to- that that's also true of Derevi decks. Like you have I to be putting in ways to break. No, them. you put in stasis. No, right, right. But wait, in... no, no. But stasis doesn't actually get you there. You need stasis and either a creature with double strike or a way to give Derevi vigilance. Well, any creature with vigilance. Yeah, sure. So, so you're you're talking. You need any creature with double strike or the equipment that gives double strike. Or any creature with vigilance, or anything or that like gives reconnaissance, any or like yeah, so much. Right, but you, you, I mean, you have to decide to run Derevi, a card Recon- that lets you stasis lock and but, stasis. Okay, but, but the whole thing here is even, that even it's, if, it's what, very, what if we're not looking at stasis, yeah. just Winter Orb, right? Winter Orb or Static Orb are things on this list, right? With Derevi, there's so many things that it's like you put in one card. So also Palancron, right? You know, people might say, oh well, Palancron on its own, you have to have the intention. It. Yes, you have to have the intention to put in like Dead Eye or Phantasmal Image or High Tide or something that combos with Palancron. But it's just not it's not hard for, you know, some Timmy to see to, to be playing his uh Tassiger deck, his Tassiger Dinosaur Tribal deck or whatever, six drop plus tribal deck. And then uh, you know, be like, oh, go on Adiatrexy Palancron and these cards see a lot of play, throw it in, and then all of a sudden it's warped the style that his meta is adjusted to, right? You're not going to have that happen with Ad Nauseam or Hermitrude because they have to, unless they're straight net decking or they are intentionally trying to pub stomp, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. And then Soren, lol, what? Well, no, I, I get Soren. It, I get Soren it, too. It's yeah. a very, it is a very unfun, as soon as you put Soren Markov in your deck, you're saying, Okay, I'm fine with just locking someone out of the game immediately. Yeah, and it's, the worst like, part is that it's yeah. one player too, yeah. right? Imagine it's, if you guys just shuffle up and you're like, you roll a dice and you're like, okay, so we're three going to play the game, and then you, you're going to have to sit and watch us play. Like, I guess, that's I guess, no fun. I guess for me, I think that the way I have seen Thorin played, and maybe it's just sort of an artifact of the metas that I've played in 
it's people tend to have a little bit more discipline than that um, in that they don't just sort of run it out, pick someone and wreck them. Um, but it's actually, I, it's, it's frequently, you know, held and then used as like, Oh, you know, you're at 120 life. Cause you're playing your weird life gain deck. Well, you know, take that hard countered. I think um, relying I th- too much on the, the restraint of players is potentially a mistake on this front, right? I think you're just trying th- to be like, what if that, the player has that. no concept of restraint and just is going to jam this? Which cards and are then roll a die. accidentally yeah, that's unfun, true. Yeah. right? That would feel super and bad. This this whole page is more of a list of cards that are very easy to use in unfun ways, sometimes unintentionally. Right? I think, so, I think like some of just, them are a bit of exceptions. Like Grand Arbiter, I don't yeah. think is that bad. Also, Mind, well, Mind Slaver is another one that that one. Well, it's it's more Mind Slaver. It, as he says in here, it's it's one of those things that just becomes very unfun when you init- when you like start abusing it without yeah. going infinite with it, which yeah. is like what what you see a lot of people do, right? It's like, oh, I can like recur this artifact. Well, let me put in this like all these ruins to get it back, and like all these rebuy cards, I've, and I've suddenly long- you're in a position yeah. where you do you're just getting non infinitely mind slavered. Which is really unfun because then like half the people at the table get turns and half of them don't. I've I've had a theory of uh of casual slash like mid power that I've shared with Spleen as well. Um which has to do with minimizing the number of actions per turn that you have. Uh so you know, if you're if you're playing Tatiova and you're running every two drop ramp spell and three drop ramp spell and you know the good four drop ramp spells, you are gonna be having long turns where you're you know picking up your deck shuffling putting the cards in drawing playing more ramp spells and your turns are going to take forever and you're not really accomplishing much right same with like an a non-deterministic azami turns deck like that is <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> no one's in particular just <laughs> no, no one in particular. yeah we, <laughs> we play with a guy who has that deck um but yeah you know shout out shout out to keegan <laughs> um yeah, so I think minimizing the number of actions per turn, or you should be conscious about it if you're if you're trying to build for us for those more casual metas. Um, in competitive, we're a bit more forgiving because you're trying to win, and if that's the best strategy to win for that deck, so be it. It's and total- if you're just if you're just spinning your wheels doing nothing, great. It's giving all of us more time. Yeah. To- stuff right but I, I completely understand where he's coming from with a lot of these i don't think grand arbor yeah. is that bad um attacks effect reduces your stuff yeah whatever casual games people play ramp goes that that one that one man attacks doesn't make a huge difference if you have to spend you know one more turn to play your splashy win the game spell yeah the one the one thing that feels awful with grand arbiter is if you can you know, you open Soul Ring and you get to play it before everyone plays their rampant growth. Yeah, yeah, that is the worst feeling in the world. I, I think it's more just like the the. It's either like playing playing these cards and doing nothing with them, or just using them in unfun ways. Like it's it's not that it's not that a a sphere of resistance is a really big deal. And like it stops people from doing things. It's more that like it's just unfun to have a spear resistance on the board for everybody but one player. Where it's just like, oh, just all my things cost mana now. Okay, well that sort of sucks. It's it's the same mentality as like, oh, counter magic just sort of sucks because like I can do my things, but it's either gonna get countered or like they just cost more, or like I don't get to do all the fun things that I want to do. Yeah. And then I think the one card that 
hasn't really fit into any of the categories we've talked about uh, is Thieves Auction. And I would also probably add, I mean, Scramble versus slightly faster to resolve, but not a lot. Uh, Warp Worlds, those effects, people who just sort of jam them and go, oh, see what happens. It's random, so it's fun. Oh, pass the turn. That's not, uh, not necessarily a good thing. There are ways to use them. For example, uh, Null has a deck that uses Wart the Raid Mother, and frequently he'll copy uh, the Great Aurora over and over again as a ritual. Um, you know, putting in new lands, tapping them, doing it again and again, and then killing with, you know, Fall of the Titans or Comet Storm or whatever. Um, and there, yes, that really does take a long time to execute, but the deck is built so that realistically, if there's two or three copies of the Great Aurora on the stack, just scoop. Like, just scoop it up. You you have realistically lost this game. And, you know, you can move on as opposed to we have no idea what could happen here. Maybe, you know, he'll, we'll all shuffle our things in, put out new stuff, and then he'll pass the turn. And that just takes forever. And also, no one ever runs one of those cards in a deck. You play Thieves Auction, and then next turn Scrambleverse, and then next turn Warp World, and then everyone gets bored. But yeah, it, again, I think the it's sort of the same thing as the tier list, where it's like, yeah, like these things aren't, they're probably not going to get banned, but it's just like, it's just these list of things that, not for competitive, but in casual, it's very easy for these decks to, or for these cards to either slot into an existing decks or build decks around themselves. And be and accidentally tends, unfun. Yeah. And it tends to be very unfun if you just play them in a like really automatic way where you're just like, oh, I drew Armageddon, I'm going to cast Armageddon without considering anything about yeah. it. Like, it's just, it's very easy for these cards to become unfun. Okay. Well, I think that's, that's a pretty good coverage for that topic. Uh, so let's wrap that up and move on to listener questions. Uh, so we already covered some listener questions interspersed in our tier list uh, comments. So we, we've got here, here a couple from some of the same people again, uh, who were, the questions didn't necessarily fit in with the last topic, but we're going to answer them anyway. So from Manta Ray Hat, uh, they ask, do you think that Thrasios Timna make for a better Flash Hulk colors than Thrasios File Smasher? Uh, sick. Flash Hulk expert. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, this one sh- is, is pretty cut and dry. Uh, I mean, Thrasius Timna is just, like, a great card in general, and also Timna's a way better commander than Vile Smasher. Um, just, when you're in Hulk, you're probably on a lot of dorks anyway, so Timna just lets you convert all those to card advantage, but also, like, outside of Lightning Druid and Vile Smasher colors... She doesn't really give you options for a lot of Hulk stuff. Uh, and Timna just gives you so much more in the way of stuff for Hulk. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, so you we get had, like. Sorry, sorry. No, uh, we, we had an interesting point that, that we, were, we brought up before the show, which is uh, if you swapped the colors of Timna and Vile Smasher, would you switch uh, your commander? So would you run, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, Sans. Uh, Sans White, uh, Timna Thrasios, uh, as a Flash Hulk deck just for the ability of Timna, if it was in red black instead of uh, black white. Uh, and I think it's a hard question to answer, but um, I think I would probably swap um, colors, that is, to stay with Timna. 
Uh, I mean, like, it, it's a really hard question to answer because I think, I think DNV would get a lot worse or uh, definitely not for all styled shuffle would get a lot worse just because you're, well, obviously you're missing Academy Rector, right? Yeah, you're missing Academy Rector, you're missing if, Breakfast if you're swapping combo, to red. Right, or, you're, if you're sta- or if you're staying in white, you're missing Timnan and Grandzone, which is a huge thing. It's big, um, but do you think do you think just the core deck requiring white and, and all the benefits white provides being, you know, Grand Abolisher, Academy Rector, uh, the actual breakfast combo, that's, that, that's enough to... Uh, make you want to switch even if you're missing on that powerful effect in the command zone? So I think I think I would switch, but I think there are two paths that would happen if you would do that, where uh, if you wanted to stay in white, you'd go to four color. Or sorry, you'd go to five color. Um, because you're, you don't have a commander that really offers you much anymore, because you're not really abusing Thrasios that much. And then if you want to stay with Timna, then you would go over to Black Red because, or, because that's still not that bad. Uh, you you do get you get you get access to Power Blasts, you get access to Gamble, which is pretty nice. You get access to Sneak Attack. Sneak Attack's pretty great. Yeah. Um, you definitely get stuff. It's not it's not the yeah. worst, but it, you, you do you do the deck does suffer a bit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, last question: Do you think the format would be better uh, without Thrasius and Timna? This is from NS Lover. Um, I don't, this is a really tough question for me. I don't know. I don't think I could really. That's uh, a tough question for everyone. I, yeah. well, I, I think I, Timna, I think Timna is very over centralizing. I think I might have, yeah, I might have tipped my hand a little bit earlier. I think that the format would be better without Timna, uh, Thrasios. Yeah, I, I don't think have a problem with fine, more or less. I was in considering this question, I put together this whole Excel spreadsheet, um, and there's some really striking things, which is that of the six color combinations that uh, are white-black, you know, plus or minus, that are enabled by partners, so excluding straight white-black and excluding five colors. So the three and four color ones. Uh, Mardu sees play, like, the Mad Farm deck, Tim. Yeah. Abzan, some people run Anafenza, some people run... Uh, Siddhar, Timna, so, you know, half a point there. Blood Pod, Timna, and, um, and, uh, uh, like, uh, Thrasios, Timna also runs Timna. So four out of the six white, black, plus color combinations. There's also, there's also, uh, it might be more than half a point for Abzan because there's the, uh, the Timna, is it Ikra Shadiki deck that, that Leptis, it's like, I think he called it Bad Farm. Oh sure, but yeah, yeah. Wait, like, wasn't that Ikra Shadiki like, Timna? Timna? Yeah, I yeah. know. I'm saying yeah, yeah, but it's not just it's not just Timna Sadar, right? But yeah. so, but just yeah. yeah, like I think if if Timna was banned, you might still see the occasional fringe Abzan play, uh, Brea would see play, and Zer would see play, but three out of the six color combinations that are unlocked by the existence of Timna would stop seeing play, and to me, that's that means the card is too powerful. But, like, also, at that point, like, once you ban Timna, you then start losing all those color combinations because people start, like, or they'll play all these cards that, like, really aren't that good to justify playing those color combinations. And I think, like, that's it's sort of one of the 
storyline. You can play you can play Mardu Mardu Edgar Markov Razakat. People have theorized that. I don't think it's great, but I mean it's like sort of it's just they, these other fringe decks kind of percolate to the surface for these colors, right? It's not, they it's not do, they're not gone completely. But the the whole thing is like a lot of the time, uh, and I think this is pretty yeah. Um the the storyline for partners has generally been decreased commander diversity, increased deck diversity. Where um if you remove partners from the format, you get a lot of like three color decks now and five color decks, but the format begins to be dominated by very specific commanders. And you you fail to get I think, anyway, you fail to get a lot of the same strategies that you would with Thrasios and Timna in the format. Frankly, I think Timna, I think, so I think we're, we're, first of all, we're all fine with Thrasios, right? I don't think Thrasios is really Oh, in general, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, he he gives you a lot of access to, like, actual four-color storm that's not Yidris. Like, no one, like, none of us thinks the format would be better without Thrasios. Yeah. No, I mean, like, he, yeah, he, he just lets you play, like, stuff like PST or, like, Adnaz decks, four-color Adnaz decks. Uh, in like a viable way, I th- I think it's actually very helpful. Well, I, so I was gonna say I think Timna, they'll you, you don't actually get a whole bunch of, of deck diversity with Timna. I think a lot of these Timna decks are just super. You, you're able to cut back on a lot of the sacrifice you'd have to make deck building wise, just because you have Timna in the command zone, and then all of these different like Mardu, Abzan, Timna shells. They're just all like mid range ad nauseum decks. Right, just with whatever best card suited for their colors. But but they're what do they turn the into otherwise? Way. Right? Well, they turn like into they different just, strategies. They turn into different well, strategies. They, and offenses they stop, I guess Mardu. They the stop existing. Is the thing like Mardu doesn't exist anymore? Well, like, okay, but it, it's already iffy. But Mardu just stops existing. Is, Mardu stacks. We all know is not. But is great. you know is that what we mean by deck diversity? Would we rather that some people play stacks decks? Some people play you know other kinds of decks. In but we have fewer color combinations, but like I but you know more varied archetypes. Let's say versus yes, we lose a lot of color combinations with Timna, but I don't know. Uh, am I am I too too sad to see you know that Mardu mid range ad nauseum becomes less good, and so does Abzan mid range ad nauseum, and so does but you also, Sans Green like- mid range ad nauseum. You, you end up losing Blood Pod, too, right? Like, that's just a thing that doesn't exist anymore. You don't get to play Blood Pod, because nobody's going to play Blood Pod with Ravos. Right. It's not going to happen. Right, but I, I don't... So, so, but I'm, not, I'm not sad to see Blood Pod go. I wouldn't be sad. Like, I, I think, think that... that but think... I am, because the, the deck is, like, it's an integral... Like, maybe not online, but, it's like, not... it's an integral deck in the format. Like it's, it, it, it consistently underperforms, is what I've noticed. I think that deck... But, even if it does underperform, it still exists, and it's still something that I've taken into account. Well, but you can build, you can build an, an underperforming stacks deck in any color, right? Like I don't know, like you can build like Anafenza stacks, right? Or it's Mara. Not, I don't think it stacks, performs. Yeah. Or Mara stacks, right? Like, but they're whatever. They're, all, they're underperforming. They're still like worse than. But I think that I think that's okay pod, but that if you also. Away. I think that's also okay if you get rid of the Thrasios Timna, sort of the decks. If the decks that the Sax decks are trying to stop become significantly less good because four color Flash Hulk isn't really a thing, and well, it just it just turns into five color Flash Hulk, right? But you then you but the then you don't have the now. you don't have the same level of 
you don't have a commander that's an infinite mana outlet. And I think that five-color Flash Hulk is not set up as well to uh, take advantage of Ad Nauseam compared to Timnadex. So I think that but like, both of those really... Those basically decks what, become less what you're good. doing is like five-color five color Flash Hulk is now the only Flash Hulk deck. And it like starts... I don't know, people could play Sadisi. Some people do. But nobody is. Because yeah. you're just going to play Tazri instead. But, I mean... Yeah. I don't, I don't know. So people, necessarily people play agree. decks just because they want to, right? Like, I think that the play... I think that the power disparity between like why are people playing five color Flash Hulk now, really? Because five color has benefits over for layered four color. for layered purposes. Because you layer you layer it way better. So as soon as you take away Timno, you take away all the decks. Like pretty much every dedicated Hulk deck ceases to exist. You can't play a dedicated Hulk deck anymore because it's just so much more efficient to layer. Yeah. You don't have the card advantage engine in the command zone to keep that up. So you just have to layer all the time. So you have uh, Najila layered combo, you have uh, Tazri layered flash. But I mean, and those, are, those all... are extra on top of whatever like tempo Najila decks there are now, right? Like Najila yeah, just becomes you the just, new over-centralizing. Yeah. wide swaths of decks that used to exist. Because like even even well, though yeah it's sort of boring to have all these like Razakats decks and like whatever and PST and DNV and all this stuff all have the same commanders you start losing a ball of like all of them so if you ban the commanders out you lose you start like you lose PST immediately or like PS style stuff PST, PST becomes Tasker and PST. which is like significantly worse but that, yeah. I think that's okay know. I think that if you ban Timna then. Like, what dominant strategies don't become worse? Like, think about, you know, like, what are we now afraid of? Uh, Tazri? You still, you still afraid of Flash of Flash uh, I'm but less scared so, of Tazri than I am. No, but, like, Tazri is less scary than, than most Flash Hulk decks now with Timna. Right? Like, I'm, Tazri can lose advantage very easily, right? You can easily outgrind Tazri. You can't outgrind Thrasios Timna. Like, those cart those commanders are just such good value engines that it just enables these very greedy decks. And I think the Tazri layered combo, you know, it definitely has the speed and has the redundancy, but it doesn't have the grind as well, which I think is quite significant. Splin, you had something to say? No, it, it was I think uh Noobsers expressed it well. Um just that I you know, I don't think that Tazri like Tazri's not better than Thrasios Timna, which is what we currently have. So yeah, Tazri would be good. I it would be interesting to sort of map out power levels and how everything shook down, but I I think that Tazri would be less dominant than Thrasios Timna is now. Yeah, I agree. I think the format would be probably healthier, but it's hard to say. It's hard to say for sure unless you just test it. It's it's there, there's a lot of unknowns there. Yeah, and, and people people you know lightning you druid know. might be might be you know more popular. As uh, well. Lightning druid doesn't exist anymore though because you don't have Thrasios file. You have to play Kadel file. Wait, wait, no, 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 no we're just banning just Timna. Banning. Are we just banning Timna? Yeah, because the the question was banning both. No, right? no, but we agreed we agreed that Thrasios is fine. And then yeah. we were just talking about Timna. Sure, just, but, if we but just he's, he's just he's just he's talking about banning both, right? Is the thing. Well, I don't. Okay. I don't necessarily. I okay. I would say I wouldn't support banning both of. Mm. Yeah, I, I wouldn't would. support. I don't. I, don't, I, I wouldn't support banning both. both. Yeah. I wouldn't support banning Thrasios on its own. I think most of us are on the same page with that. And then the real question is, what if we just ban Timna? Yeah. 
And then I think that was kind of where our conversation yeah. went. Um, but yeah, so I think, and unless anyone has, unless anyone has anything else to say about that. Um, yeah, I, th- I think we're good. Let's uh, close out the show. Okay. So that brings this episode of into the North to a close. Uh, before we go, um, I'd, I'd like you guys to the listeners to check out our discord. That's where we've been, uh, getting all these uh, listener questions. Uh, yeah, so that'll be linked in the show notes. Uh, we haven't had much general discussion yet, but, you know, if anyone wants to start something, wants to chat us, chat for us, uh, chat for a bit, you know what? I'm down. I'm sure the other uh, hosts, my co-hosts, would be as well. Yeah, if you, have, um, if, if you have questions that aren't, you know, maybe you don't think makes sense to address in a podcast episode, but, you know, questions about us or, you know, our our experience with cdh or something like that definitely just add us yeah you want you've got a hot hot take on <laughs> any of our <laughs> any of the, the topics we covered that's definitely the place to uh to let it all out um yeah, if you want to if you want to yell at me because you disagree with my opinions go for it yeah, yeah. always always open to it i mean i want to yell at you because i disagree with your opinion <laughs> <laughs> save it we'll save it for after the show um <laughs> Okay, yeah, and uh, I already mentioned our podcast email. That's uh, into the north podcast at gmail.com. Uh, also, that'll also be in the show description. Uh, you know, if, you, if that's your preferred method of communication, go for it. Uh, give us feedback, guys. Give us feedback on Reddit. Give us feedback on the Discord. Give us emails. We love to hear from you guys. It's actually great. The community sport has been fantastic. Um, you guys are excellent. So please, please talk to us. We love to hear from you. Um, yeah, community-wise, check out the CDH subreddit, uh, the competitive EDH Discord, play EDH, many of the deck discords. I mainly hang around on the Gitrog Discord, Zerd Discord, um, and you can find me around on the competitive EDH Discord sometimes and play EDH as well. Uh, what about you guys? Where are you guys mainly hanging out? Yeah, check me out on the on the Discord, sick robot on there. Feel free to message me whenever you want. Uh, I'm Synchrobot on the Reddit. I usually end up posting the podcast anyway, so just let me know in there, post on there, send me a PM, do whatever. Yeah, uh, I'm Spleenface on Reddit and on Discord. I can be found, yeah, I hang out in the competitive EDH Discord. Um, if you want to get me the fastest, I would say uh, the Graveyard, which is the Muldrotha, Carador, and other graveyard-centric value deck uh, Discord, or uh, Grixis Mean Girls for Cast uh, Jaleva and Anala, and uh, yeah, or obviously the Into the North Discord server. Yeah, really, guys, come on, talk to us. <laughs> okay, uh, we're also yeah, lonely. So- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jeez, yeah. I just want to talk to someone. <laughs> yeah, so that's it. That's it for this episode. Uh, see you guys in a month. Yeah. Bye. See you. Great. Bye. <laughs>